for stuff coming. Thank you, Todd and Marilyn, for coming up with a hashtag, which someone who is a millennial should have thought of. Um, so this year, we're doing a series called 2020, and it is seeing life clearly. If you've been at service in the mornings, you know that we've changed our mission statement here at Christ Covenant Church. It was to be cap- captivated, transformed, and gift away the gospel. Christ Covenant. Christ, sorry, I used to work at Christ Covenant. Christ Community Church. I know, I know. I'm jumping back 10 years to where I was teaching there. At Christ Community Church, it was to captivate, transform, and gift away the gospel. Now it is to know Christ and make him known. And that's why our um, mission statement here at Yak is no Christ, no others, no excuses. That's kind of what filters our ministry. And 2020, seeing clearly, is how we do that well. How do we see God clearly? How do we see others clearly? And how do we see ourselves clearly? So that we can best interact with the world and show them the love of Christ. So that's kind of the overarching theme of the year. So tonight, to take a little baby step into that, we're going to be talking about the overarching puzzle. How do we put together what we believe with how we live? And this is the first step into a deep dive. For those of you that are older, like seniors, you might be like, okay, I've done this before. Remember there are 6th and 7th and 8th graders in the room that maybe not ha- has not dealt with this material, so it's a gently move in. We will get into epistemology next week, and we will do deep dives into heavy philosophical concepts later on. So for those of you that are craving that, I know Caleb One is craving that sort of stuff, um, you will get that, um, and we will blast that fire hose later. But tonight it is kind of a, we're going to wade into the pool of what it means to be 2020. So let me pray for us. We're going to dive in. So bow your heads with me one more time. Father God, as we dive into the concept of who you are, who we are, and how we should live in the midst of the world. Lord, give us clarity of vision so that we can love others well. And Lord, so that we can glorify you well. In your son's name, amen. You know I hate starting out with a joke, but I am going to start out with a joke tonight because it works. Um, It is a blonde joke. Uh, blondes in the room, I apologize. Uh, this is not an indictment against you, but everyone kind of gets the concept of a blonde joke, so it is low hanging fruit. A blonde called out and asked her husband to help her with a very difficult jigsaw puzzle that she could not figure out how to get started. Her husband asked, What is it supposed to be when it is finished? Wise husband. She replies, According to the picture on the box, it's a tiger. When he went into the kitchen, he saw the puzzle spread all over the table. He studied the pieces for a moment, then looked at the box and turned to her and said, No matter what we do, honey, we are not going to be able to assemble these pieces into anything resembling a tiger. Now please put the frosted flakes back in the kitchen. Back in the box. Moral of the story. Moral of the story. It's your first fill in the blank. If you are looking at the wrong lid or playing with the wrong pieces, this is not part of it, or both, you won't be able to put the puzzle together. If you are looking at the wrong lid or playing with the wrong pieces, you will simply not be able to put the puzzle together. Now, I hate puzzles. I hate them. 
My wife loves them. She loves these like 500 to 1,000 piece companies of confusion, right? Corey loves them. And unfortunately, my kids love them too. They literally have puzzle time. Well, they'll go upstairs and for hours, they will assemble every puzzle they own, which thanks to Corey is a lot. It'll literally cover the floor from our room all the way through the playroom, all the way to their room. They're up there for hours playing with these puzzles. Now, here's the thing. I don't mind, I don't mind doing puzzles with my wife because I love my wife. And I don't mind doing puzzles with my kids because I love how easy their puzzles are. (laughs) I love how easy their puzzles are. Thank you, Disney and Nickelodeon, for your 25-piece puzzles. Because when I do those puzzles, I feel like a puzzle deity, right? (laughs) Like, all the pieces are edge pieces. I can do this. (laughs) So the moral of that story is this, which is your next fill-in-the-blank. I will do puzzles if I love somebody and if it is easy. Now, if you're examining your yak sheet, which some of you are at this point, you might come to the conclusion that tonight's talk is on puzzles. And you would be right. But the puzzle we're going to cover this year is the puzzle of life. You see, the vast majority of people and the majority of Christians have several problems in their puzzles of life. First... Either the puzzle is too hard to put together, so they become apathetic at attempting it, or they just force pieces together that don't fit. And what I mean by puzzle here is I mean the pieces of this is what I believe, and then this is how I should live. So they won, they look at it, and they're like, this is way too complicated. I don't know how to figure this out, so yeah. Just put the frosted flakes together, right? Second, like the blonde in their story, they are using the wrong lid with the wrong pieces. If you're a Christian and you're using the Percy Jackson book series to put together how you should live, it might not fit well, right? Third, like modern Pharisees, Some people are putting puzzles together with no lid. I determine what goes in my puzzle. Even if it doesn't have any edges. Fourth, and sometimes scarily, they're attempting the puzzle alone. They're attempting the puzzle alone. I'll talk about that this weekend when I preach at main service. And this is the vast majority of people. This is the vast majority of people. All the adults in the audience, they all know this because they've been around the block to know that this is just how people function in the world. And it's your next one in the blank. People rarely connect what they believe with how they should live. What they believe with how they should live. Especially when it comes to the term of ought. Everyone say ought. So it has to do with the moral should I. We rarely do this. The vast majority of students in a survey claim that cheating is wrong. And in the same survey, they also claim that the majority of them have cheated. 
on the past year at school. Right? Majority claim, cheating's wrong. And the same majority will claim, yeah, I've done it past year. The majority of teenagers say that using your phone while driving is dangerous. But four out of five teenagers use their phone while driving. Do you see the disconnect there? This is what I believe, and this is how I live. People go against what they believe all the time. Don't even get me started on politics, right? And they try to put two pieces of a puzzle together. One of cheating is wrong, and the other of it's okay for me on the same board. And the fact is, we do that with Jesus. When it comes to knowing Christ, there are a lot of things we like about him and what he says. But the things we dislike, we immediately remove from the board. Or we try to put pieces on the board that, okay, maybe this will fit for my Jesus. The greatest commandment is found in Matthew 22 and Mark 12. It's a good one to memorize. It's a perfect example of it. Matthew 22, 36-40 says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. But what do we do? We talked about this a little last year when we were talking about community. We try to get out of the neighbor thing by qualifying who our neighbor really is. We all love the love your neighbor commandment until we meet the neighbor. Right? Lord, you surely don't mean that person. They're mean. They're a jerk. They don't wear deodorant yet. Like we qualify quick. Even though it is literally, Jesus says, the greatest commandment. We have the very words of Jesus as a puzzle piece, but we try to fit a different puzzle piece onto the very same board. What do we call the idea, though, of putting this puzzle of life together? What do we call it? And we call this, it's your next one in the blank, we call this a worldview. For those of you that go to Legacy, I apologize. You are literally steeped in this stuff from like week one, right? You go to a camp and get worldview training. Same with some of the March kids. Um, So we're going to cover this idea today, okay? There are really, there are are three in our culture. And by culture, let me take that back. Stepping, stepping forward. Okay, reset Act two. Um, Take two. There are really three worldviews on the planet. Four if we get specific. But there are three major ones that are categorized. Okay, The first is the belief that there is no puzzle led. Some would argue that there isn't even a puzzle. And this is called atheism. Okay, This is atheism. What we're going to refer to it in the next several weeks, because I think it fits better, is materialism. Okay, everyone say materialism. Materialism. And I don't mean that like they go shopping. Atheists love to shop. They're all about the material goods. I don't mean that. What I mean is they only believe that matter exists. That there's nothing outside of what we can physically touch. Okay? 
that matter is the core of existence. We are stardust and nothing more. The second view is very Eastern mysticism view. We see this a lot from Asia, even though there are other pockets of the world that it's pulled from as well. That, and this is the idea that either God is the universe or is everywhere. Okay? You hear this when people talk about like karma. Okay? It's getting what the universe has coming to you. I see that on Twitter a lot. Right? If you put out good vibes, then good vibes will come back to you. If you put out bad vibes, then the universe will get even with you. You get it? He is God and everything. Uh, so that is, that's kind of mysticism. Everyone say mysticism. So we have materialism and, and mysticism. And the third belief is that there is a God, but He is distinct from the universe. So there is a God and there is creation, which is everything else. The three major world religions hold this. So Islam, Orthodox Judaism, and Christianity. Deists also hold of this. People who believe that God created and has done done nothing more, they hold to this view as well. The the major three have a book that they claim to be the puzzle lid. Okay, this is is the puzzle you put together if you just read the book. The fourth, if we're getting really detailed, is the more specific one. And this is the one of Orthodox Judaism and Christianity. And this one says this, not only does, does God exist, but he desires to have a relationship with us. That, that goes back to Genesis, that's Exodus, Leviticus, I will be their God and they shall be my people. So it's not only that he created, but he wants to know his creation. God wants to know us. And this is, there's two major points we're going to walk away from tonight. The first one we're going to talk about here. The second one we'll talk about in in, uh, transformation groups. The first most important thing, it's your next fill in the blank, that we can know about these worldviews, and it is important, is that they're not compatible. They're not compatible. They cannot work in unison with each other. I want you to breathe. That's okay. Uh, People can be wrong. You can be wrong. I can be wrong. That's okay. People get, they get nervous when we might call somebody wrong. You'll see that here. So Greg Kokel puts it in his book, The Story of Reality, this way, which is one of the resources I'm using for the series. If you want kind of a deeper dive, pick it up. It's less than 200 pages, so you can knock it out in a weekend for those of you that are readers. He says this, Most people nowadays would not say that religious stories believers believe are actually false. Most people would not say your thing is false. It would be impolite to put it that way and might even be considered intolerant. At the same time, though, they do not actually think it's true in the deep sense of the word. Instead, people are tempted to think of religion as a kind of spiritual fantasy club. True for you, but not necessarily true for me. Find the club you like, the one that meets your personal needs, that gives you rules to live by, that are respectable but not too demanding, that warms your heart with a feeling of spirituality. That's the point of religion. And that is the overarching theme in America. But religion makes truth claims about reality. 
Further, every option I just talked about makes claims about reality, materialism, mysticism, and a belief in God. All of them make claims about reality. And this is your next fill in the blank. Every religion tells a story of reality. Every philosophy and every individual outlook on life is a take on the way someone thinks the world actually is. And they're not compatible. And what do I mean when I say that? I mean that they cannot both be true. They cannot both be true. Let's take some examples. Either the materialist is right and only matter exists, option one, or this is all an illusion and there is only spirit that looks like matter, option two, specifically Hinduism and Buddhism. This is all kind of an illusion. They cannot both be right. They can, however, both be wrong. But they cannot both be right. If you're a Christian, you believe that there's both matter and spirit. And therefore, the ones who hold to only one limited view of reality are missing a big piece of the puzzle. Either, to kill again to our options, either God is a part of the universe or he is outside the universe. He cannot be both. And by a part, I mean literally like that's his essence. He's either his essence is the universe or his essence is something non-universe. And this is just basic logic. Something cannot be A and non-A at the same time. It's just logic 101. This is a logical fallacy. Either God is a na- either, either God is nature, that crowd is right, and the God of the Bible crowd is wrong, or vice versa, or both are wrong, and God is like a Lego piece or something. You know, like, uh, like they, can't, they, they can't both be right. They can both be wrong, but they can't both be right. Either Jesus faked his death, belief of Islam, Jesus died on the cross and the disciples hid his body, belief of Judaism. Or Jesus rose from the dead on the third day and raised him to heaven roughly 40 days later, belief of Christians. Only one of them can be right. They can all be wrong, but they can't all be right. Do you see this? This is what I mean when I say that our worldviews are not compatible. They can't all be right. And while many want to feel good emotionally by saying this, and it is an emotional response by the vast majority of people in your culture, they just want everyone to feel good. Just be happy. Right? They want to look tolerant. They can't hold their own standards. I pressed one student on this one student on this years ago. We were meeting at a Wendy's, and this is kind of how our conversation went. Student. This is what he said. He said, I think it's wrong for you to say that someone else's religion is wrong. Okay? It's not the first time I've heard that. He said, I, I, I think it's wrong for you to say that someone else's religion is wrong. And this is why I said, I said, me. So just to be clear, you think saying someone else's religion is wrong. And it's morally wrong. He said, yes. And this is all I asked him. I said, do you think my religion is right? That Jesus is the only way to heaven and no one shall come to the Father except through him. Do you think that is right? There was a long pause. Because you see the corner I put him in, right? If he says, if he says that I'm wrong, 
then he just said to call someone's religion wrong is a moral wrong. And he's, oh, great. Okay, I'm now in that corner. And if he says I'm right, then he's also calling everyone else who I think, you see, I had to talk him off a ledge. I said, it's, it's okay. You can think someone else is wrong and still love them. It's possible. You wouldn't know it in America nowadays anymore, but it is possible to think someone else is wrong intellectually and love them as a person. Okay? People, and unfortunately, especially young people, believe this garbage all the time. It's shoved down your throat at Disney, TMZ, and social media. But it is no, it has no standing in reality. Anyone who's taken a week of a logic class sees right through this. But again, we stopped teaching that at school like 30 years ago. People would rather live with two different puzzle pieces from two separate puzzles than find the right one. Again, all philosophies, religions, and points of view make a claim about reality. And that is why I love Christianity. It does not shy away from it. That's why I love being a Christian. Either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, a legend, or a lord. That's it. He either rose from the dead or he didn't. The apostles did not make truth claims that can go either way. That can be true for you and not true for someone else. They did not make truth claims that are left to personal experiences. They made a claim about reality. And it's true or it's false. And I love how Paul puts it. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. We're going to cover this when we go to transformation groups. So grab a Bible. If you didn't bring one or if you have a phone, that's fine. It's this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Look how he's saying it here. It can't ha- you can't have it both ways. He's having to deal with it back then too. But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. He's saying that if, if it's false, then I am, I am speaking falsehood. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And in Christ we have hope in this life only. We are all, of all people, most to be pitied. He makes a very clear claim on reality. Understanding that the puzzle reflects reality is the first step to seeing 2020 vision. And understanding that stakes hopefully propels you to seek for truth. We're going to talk about this more.